Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Happy Memorial Day, and thanks so very much for tuning into my show, America Can We Talk? Today we'll be talking about the ultimate sacrifice, 1.4 million, what America's history and Western civilization, how they're connected, and what does it mean to fight for America and freedom today? And I'll talk about why all these matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hi there, and thanks again for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Today is Memorial Day, and I want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day. I hope you enjoy Memorial Day weekend. I will tell you, I am pre-reco- I pre-recorded this show to give everyone in our studio the holiday off. And so in case any huge stories come up over the weekend, please know that I don't know about them right now sitting here pre-recording. But I do want to focus today and really uh, dedicate this show today to the idea of Memorial Day weekend and the larger idea of sacrifice for your country. So in this first five today, just to mention where we are in terms of America and how much people have sacrificed for this country. I have a chart uh, that was um, I sent to my incredibly wonderful producer, Matt, and the chart essentially shows how many people gave their lives for the Amer- for fighting for America um, over the centuries. And I know they're hard to see, but I just want to give, make a couple quick points about this. Number one, I tallied all of the death statistics historically assigned to all the wars America has fought. So how many people in America, how many of our our servants, our military members serving America uh, were killed in the line of duty? And the total comes up to 1.45 million, 808. And obviously we don't have precise numbers in some of the wars, but it was really interesting to point out a couple of things about this. First of all, this particular chart shows the number of people killed as compared with the percentage of the population in the country at the time of the war. We're actually not sure that chart, job, but the chart that I have in front of me shows that. And it's most interesting, the American Civil War is still the war in all of our history where we lost the most lives. If you obviously are counting the lives of people fighting in the North and the South, American lives we lost in that war. The estimate is three quarters of a million people, 750,000 people, and that was 2.3% of the population of the country at that time. That's the highest number, absolute number, but it's also the highest percentage of the American population who gave their lives in that war. And so as our population has obviously grown, um, and this chart I meant showed, you know, we don't have to keep it up, I just want to mention this interesting thing about it. That war still stands as the war where the highest percent of Americans gave their lives in, uh, in war, in, in war defending America. And again, that was a 2.3% of the population which was the population in 1860. And actually, it's interesting as you look down the, the um, numbers that the wars over the years, that the number of people who uh, perished defending America hardly ever even got to the level of 1% of the total population, meaning the number of people killed is, was less than 1% of the then population at the time of that war of our country. And it made me think about what an incredibly noble sacrifice it is to give your life in defense of America, but also the noble sacrifice involved in serving America at all in our military. 
you know, we in America just kind of take for granted. We, we love to say we have the best military on earth, the strongest military. We're so proud of our Army and our Navy and the Marines and the Air Force and everybody. We're so proud of everyone serving our country. But it's a tiny percent of Americans who do this. A tiny percent of Americans who serve and, and you know, the, the rest of us simply enjoy the benefits of and the protection provided by those who serve. And I'll tell you another thought. Recently, I attended the funeral of a, of a, um, a son of a friend of mine, a very young guy who passed away. And, you know, you look around just that one funeral and there's just, you know, the family and the friends and the extended family and just, you know, thousands of people impacted by this one young man. And he wasn't, this was not lost in military service. It was just another episode uh, in America. My point in bringing it up is just to say that, you know, for all these lives lost from the uh, Revolutionary War to the Civil War to where we are today, there's always a family at home that is left where we you know a family left trying to move forward trying to deal with the loss of their loved one frankly a lot of them trying to deal with the the reality that not too many people in America are really focusing on the sacrifice those families made most people don't even know or pay attention when we lose someone in the military you'll see a small announcement in the local paper you know local soldier so and so passed on but really the sacrifice these people make even the ultimate sacrifice is it just barely makes the radar in most of American life every day and that is it's a sad thing it's an, and something that should be remedied and, and focused on so today I want to talk about the the sacrifice in serving America which we just can never be grateful enough for the sacrifice of people giving the ultimate sacrifice and even those who do come back some healthy some injured some uh, with tremendous emotional mental scars that they're still dealing with the high rate of suicide among people who come back after service uh, in America's military. All of these are things that all of us should care about because really, if they didn't do what they're doing, we wouldn't have the country we have today. One thing in particular that is being talked about over this coming weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Um, and uh, I guess we'll find out next week how it came out. But there have been cases in which people serving America People serving this country in foreign wars have ended up, and really in this most recent conflict, essentially the, the larger conflict uh, America faces as we are defending against the onslaught of radical Islam around the world, uh, whether you, whichever particular conflict you want to count it in, you know, the Afghanistan, Iraq, wherever the, the um, fighting is. This conflict has resulted in, in our time, some American soldiers being accused by our own military of engaging in wrongdoing and actually prosecuted by our military. And I want to I'm mention these stories because this coming weekend, it's been reported by two reliable news sources, Washington Examiner uh, and Fox News, and one news source I don't consider that reliable, New York Times, but even they reported that President Trump is considering pardoning these three individuals I want to tell you about. And the reason I want to tell their stories is this. I don't ever want to claim the U.S. military is perfect. Obviously, some of us heard about things that happened in Vietnam, conduct by our own military that wasn't right, and we had prosecutions. And we hear, you hear conduct and stories about some of the troops in all the foreign wars, some of the American troops who did not behave up to the standard that America requires of our military. But the overwhelming majority of America's represent, representation in the world 
has been for the uh, upholding noble standards, upholding the mission that America has of preserving liberty, of bringing liberty, of freeing the oppressed. And when people serve our country, especially in this current battle with radical Islam, this war that is radical Islam has declared against America that we're fighting, there have been cases which have just, just really um, jolted the conscience, jolted the uh, concerns of many Americans, many patriotic Americans, many Americans who serve themselves in the military. So three quick stories. President Trump is apparently over this weekend contemplating pardoning three people, one being First Lieutenant Clint Lawrence. We've told his story in the show before. In fact, Donald, I think, um, yeah, I think Alan West came on and talked about this story one time. At first, First Lieutenant Clint Lawrence, Sergeant Derek Miller, and Major, Major Matt Goldstein, all three of these people served America's military proudly and ended up being prosecuted by our own military for their conduct under circumstances which many, many people thought were simply wrong, simply wrong that our military prosecuted these people. Clint Lawrence has been in uh, prison nearly six years at the U.S. disciplinary barracks at Fort, Wor Fort, excuse me, at Fort Leavenworth for de essentially de defending his men during a battle. A, a motorcycle carrying three riders began gunning for his platoon, a common tactic of the Taliban, and he ordered his men to fire. He was charged for ordering his men to fire with the argument that essentially it, the, ar the order to fire on them wasn't justified. These instantaneous decisions they have to make in the heat of battle surrounded by people it's not like back in back in the revolutionary war times where everybody knew what color uniform you had meant which side you were on in the especially in the modern wars whether it was in vietnam and now these uh, was occurring in afghanistan and around the world fighting with radical islam the killers on the other side, the people who mean harm to American troops, are not dressed in an easily identifiable uniform. Children, women, young people carry out attacks on American troops, and American troops assign the responsibility of defending themselves and defending their fellow Americans, have to make split-second decisions. That's what Clint Lawrence did, and a lot of other circumstances of that case, but I just want to cheer on President Trump if he's really contemplating pardoning him. Second person, Sergeant Derek Miller, served eight years in prison at Fort Leavenworth for defending his soldiers and himself against a Taliban scout who lunged for his weapon during an interrogation. Obviously, more detail of that story, but this is a case in which you're just, you can hardly believe someone gets prosecuted and spend time in prison. Now, he's gotten out, but still, he has a murder conviction on his record, and it is apparently going to be the case that President Trump is going to pardon him. Third, Major Matt Goldstein is actually facing the death penalty for putting himself in mortal danger to protect his men and the Afghan civilians who were aiding them he, this guy Matt Goldstein, Major Matt Goldstein, set up an ambush to intercept a Taliban bomb maker before he could rejoin his terrorist unit and launch another attack against U.S. forces. Matt engaged, ultimately killed the terrorist, but a decade later, after he was already cleared of any wrongdoing, the Army charged him in that instant for premeditated murder. And I'm just telling you, folks, I think the gratitude we have to have about our military, the gratitude we have to be um, have for everyone who will serve means we have to give a very 
wide swath of leniency for conduct reviewed later in the calm of a courtroom, in the calm of an area where you just have, you know, you're, you have the um, ease of watching the incident be described by witnesses. You're not there in the middle of the battle. You're not there recognizing what happened five minutes before, what happened the day before. You're there fighting for your men and trying to protect your fellow officers. And so I really am grateful to hear that President Trump is contemplating uh, pardoning these folks. And I really, I just, I guess, to close out this first five on this Memorial Day Monday, I'm very grateful for everyone who served this country. And I really hope that President Trump uh, finds, uh, decides to go forward and pardon these people on whose behalf literally thousands and thousands of military, uh, former military people in America have advocated People have advocated to President Trump. These guys got a raw deal in being prosecuted by the military. And, um, and I'm hoping for them that we can find justice for them. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. Now I'm going to turn to something talking, you know, thinking about Memorial Day and all these people who have given their lives for, uh, for America. You know, you really have to ask yourself, you can look at each war, each engagement and say, well, why were we in this war? What happened there? What were you defending? And, you know, you can, you can have that discussion. But the larger philosophical thing that America has stood for throughout our history, America has stood for in our military engagements in World War I, World War II, and many other places, has not been the conquering mentality that most nations have in their hearts, in their minds, even today, as they move forward militarily. In fact, Russia, as one good example, we're always watching Russia. The world's always watching Russia. They are trying very much to retake the former um, Soviet bloc countries to, to their, they're still more or less communist, even though they don't have that label anymore. They are still pushing for territorial uh, increase. They're pushing to take over the former uh, European bloc countries around them that they had captured captured originally uh, as communism spread, so they have a territorial mission, a mission to grasp more, get control of more area uh, in the world. I want to read you a quote. This is just the most amazing quote. This came from Shimon Peres, and you probably recognize that name. Uh, he is was the ninth president of Israel from 2007 to 2014. He actually served twice as the prime minister of Israel and twice as the interim prime minister. He was a member of 12 cabinets in a political career sp uh, spanning 66 years. He came to America and gave a speech at Harvard in October of 2004, and he said some words that have become since famous. So this is Shimon Peres, the Israeli politician, came to America, spoke at Harvard in October of 2004. And he, I just want to read you what he said, what, it, what he's saying about America's military engagement around the world. Here are Shimon Peres's words. There's a great deal of criticism about the United States, but there's one thing that nobody criticizes the United States for. Nobody thinks the United States went to strike against Iraq in order to gain land or water or oil. Nobody thinks America has any ambitions about real estate. As it happened in the 20th century, the American boys went to fight in two world wars. Many of them lost their lives. The United States won the wars won the land, but you gave back every piece of it. America didn't keep anything out of her victories for herself. 
He's speaking to Americans at Harvard. You gave back Japan and improved Japan. You gave Germany and improved Germany. And you brought the Marshall Plan. And today, I do not believe there is any serious person on earth who thinks the United States, whether you agree or don't agree with, with this particular strike, speaking of Iraq, has any egoistic or material purposes in this war against Iraq. The reason is for this strike against Iraq that you cannot let the world run wild. And people who are coming from different corners of our life attack and kill women and children and innocent people out of the blue. And I think the world is lucky that there is a United States that has the will and power to handle the new danger that has arrived in this 21st century. Fabulous words, Shimon Perez speaking at Harvard about America. And that's been a comment many people have made about America over our, um, our history that we don't, we don't invade, capture land, and, and take it for our own. We push back against the evildoers in the world. We push back against the Hitlers of the world, the people who want to take over and repress other people. We try to stand up for freedom. Again, not claiming America's military is perfect. It's just the best on earth with the most noble motives on earth. And speaking of that noble motive and what it is our soldiers have fought and died for, Part of what I want to talk about today gets at what exactly our soldiers fight for. Like, what are they there for? I mean, you can say, well, we're there to, uh, you know, push back against Hitler's and the Nazis. We're there to, you know, to in, in Vietnam, we were there trying to push the communists who were descending from the north into the south, push the communists back, which is really pushing the Russian communist aggression uh, and, and the communist um, takeover of the world effort. We were trying to push back against that. So you can, in individual circumstances. But the larger thing America stands for in the world and fights for in the world has to do with the idea of Western civilization. And I want to talk about what that really means because Western civilization became for a little while kind of a bad word. Like there were people who were saying, well, Western civilization, which was a common and, and you know, broad, bro broadly spread, it was a common major in universities in America. It was certainly a required first year college course in universities around the country. And it, it fell into disfavor in the 70s, 80s, 90s. And it fell into disfavor because uh, in the is this kind of what we would now call political correctness. This notion that you can't really defend Western civilization or, or hold it up as something better than other civilizations. And so this whole, it was, is viewed as arrogant. It was viewed as kind of, we Americans think we're better than everybody else. And so we're bragging about our civilization. We're by, you know, by by claiming that we honor and love and support Western civilization, we are criticizing and, um, and diminishing the value of other civilizations. And because of that pressure, colleges dropped Western civilization as a major and dropped it as a course, certainly as a required course uh, in freshman year. But I want to get back to the idea that what Western civilization was really trying to talk about were the most freeing, noble, uh, protective, extraordinary ideas the earth has ever seen. Western civilization, I'm going to just, you know, there's just, you could ask 100 people, get 100 different answers. But I want to talk a little bit about how we lost our way in this country, especially in our universities and in our schools, you know, our public schools below that, lost our way in this country 
our ability to clearly understand what the reason was that we claimed Western civilization was so special, unique, extraordinary, important, and yes, better, better than civilizations preceding it. And, you know, I, I looked a bunch of different sources trying to give you, you know, what they say Western civilization stands for. I'm going to just give you some general things they said. Then I want to hit what's happening at Stanford. It is so interesting that the battle at Stanford, uh, Stanford University, which, you know, in Palo Alto, California, very left wing. Um, and there are things that happen there arguing about whether Western civilization should be taught. But Western civilization, one, one description online was, you know, Western civilization is built on four pillars. One, Greek philosophy. So it's studying the philosophers who think about the nature of man, the nature of man's rights, what, what man is, and that meaning men and women, what man is, what, what life is, what rights we should have simply because we were born. Greek philosophy, Roman law, the idea of a system of laws, a system of laws that are passed by representatives, a system of laws that protects everyone. Third, Christian theology, and I would say really this Judeo-Christian theology, but it was the idea that came down through the scriptures that man, as a creation of God, as a child of God, has rights to live in freedom, has rights to live their life in not absolute abandoned freedom, not just jungle kind of freedom, like you know the law of the jungle kind of freedom, but freedom in a structured society. You have the right not to be controlled by others, except for having to have some system of laws. And fourth, uh, another pillar of Western civilization was the idea of using modern science, or another term for just science is, we became more committed to the idea that facts exist, truth exists, and we are allowed to pursue it, to try to understand it, and then use it to make our lives better. So that was one idea of Western civilization. Another one I wanted to mention briefly, just has to do with the idea of how do you set up society? How do you set up your culture? How do you set up your life? How do you set up, here we have this, you know, we have a round earth, we have, you know, a lot of water, we have pieces of land around the world, and they have, those are continents, within the continents we have countries, and all those land masses are filled with people and people could live you know just wandering with no structure to them but the idea of having a civilization is that you have some order introduced into those into those areas of land you have order you have a system you're all agreeing we all live here in this united states so we're going to have these rules Communists live in their countries. Now, they didn't really get to choose. The communists are forcing themselves on them, but they have their rules. So the idea of a, of a culture, of a civilization, has the idea that you're actually going to support the, um, the, the notion of creating a structure that has city-states, that has rules, that has a system of government, includes rational thinking, it includes protection of religion, it has cities, social structure, has writing and arts. It has civilization to it. So the study of Western civilization, I'll make one other uh, introductory point about Western civilization. You know, everyone ever born only knows the world as it is when they are born into it. They only know that that is like, you know, to the, use a common expression, it's when history began is when I was born. People use that, well, you know, everyone thinks history began when they were born. And so they don't know anything about life on earth before they were here. And 
people on this planet went through battles and decades and centuries and millennia trying to establish a sense of order, endless efforts of people who simply want to control other people, want to rule over them, is the history of life on earth. Philosophers, thinkers, nation states learned lessons over the centuries about how do you make this this group of people living on this you know plot of earth plot of dirt on the in the world that's called a country how do you help them how do we create a society western civilization was the idea that just because you're born and you only know what exists now that you would benefit from studying where it all came from what happened behind what happened before we started this and so western civilization was trying to teach that idea western civilization exalted ideas like the rule of law that you have to have not whoever's in charge of the country random laws as happens in north korea as happens in communist countries as happens in dictatorships frankly as happens in countries under islamic law you can't have Western civilization and all the beauty that do, the rule of law and the separation of powers and the rights of the individual and the encouragement of the individual to live in freedom. You can't have that structure that allows for freedom, prosperity, advancement, the idea that you're tied to not just science, but rational study, rational thinking. You can't have those things, any of those things in a communist country in a communist worldview because communism does not embrace any of those they may have you know scientists who do research but the government makes the law and no one can do anything about it government in china for example china has throughout its country as north korea does has prison camps people sent to prison simply because they dare to think something different than the communists allow you to think they're sent to re-education camps these are horrific torture-filled camps they exist in china they exist in north korea they probably exist in other countries too that mindset that the government exists to control your thought cannot live with Western civilization, rule of law, freedom of the individual. The idea that in America, we have managed to, to ban, to mock, to diminish teaching the next generation about Western civilization, it is an astonishing, it's a horrible thing that we have stopped teaching this because if people don't learn about all the history in the world and what happened before we got here before they arrived on the scene on the planet earth in america if they don't realize all the ways things can go wrong if you don't have a rule of law if you don't have separation of powers if you don't have individual rights if you don't have freedom of religion if you don't have freedom of writing and art if you don't have those things you have a repressive society so i'm getting around to saying what our troops in this world, what America has really fought for is to protect America and the exceptional nature of America rooted in the Western civilization ideas that we need to start teaching again. And, and that in this country, we need to be more deeply appreciative that the world still looks to us, to America, to be the leaders.
to articulate these ideas, to spread these ideas, to share these ideas, to defend these ideas. I want to hit a couple things just about contrasting Western civilization founded, and we could, you know, do a, well, there are, there are, you know, classes you can take online for weeks and weeks and weeks and learn about Western civilization. I'm really just focusing on the kind of political legal aspects of Western civilization. But I want to contrast for you what Western civilization means versus civilizations founded on Sharia and Islam or civilizations founded on communism or socialism. And just a quick story, which I, I just happened to read this one, um, but there are many like it. I don't know if you knew the story, but Saudi Arabia, which is considered one of the more uh, modern Islamic countries, just beheaded in this last week 37 people mostly for daring to say things the government doesn't think you're allowed to say. They, they beheaded, most of them were the minority Islamic sect in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia being, um, being Sunni or really Wahhabi, but Saudi Arabia, these are, in Saudi Arabia are, are not Shia Muslims, they're Sunni. So in Saudi Arabia, most of the 37 who were beheaded last week were Shiites, meaning they are the opposite of the, the Muslim powers that be in Saudi Arabia, most of them for things like daring to attend a pro-democracy rally or for things like saying things that are offensive to the current government, offensive to religious authorities. Uh, some, in some instances, they placed the body and severed head on, on spikes as a warning to other people. I'm not talking about this happened like, you know, in 1000 um, AD. I'm talking last week in Saudi Arabia. One particular story that really caught my um, eye, there was a student, a young man in Saudi Arabia that was, uh, had been accepted to attend Western Michigan University. So he's going to come to America to go to college. He was stopped at the airport as he's leaving Saudi Arabia to come over to Western Michigan University arrested for attending a pro-democracy rally, kept in prison, tortured hideously, I will not share the details, tortured hideously, beheaded, and he was 17 years old. 17. And I tell you the story to say, we think in America, we tend to not appreciate deeply enough how much our Judeo-Christian ideas, our country's embrace of Western civilization values, the rights of individuals, they are so taken for granted in America that we just can't even process they don't, that these don't exist in other countries around the world. And Saudi Arabia is one of the more tame Islamic countries in this world. But getting the idea that you can't have the Western civilization values we embrace and Islam, or at least as Islam is practiced in most of the Islamic majority countries in this world. You can't have American Western civilization and Sharia. It's either the American rule of law, all the things that are built in that rule of law, or Sharia. It's one or the other. You, and so this idea of defending America includes understanding that the rule of law doesn't exist in many places in the world. The freedom of the individual to attend a rally, to speak, to believe what he wants doesn't exist. We need to be, when we have defense of America, it needs to be defense of things like that, that the Western civilization brought to America and Europe, brought to most of the world. Similarly, I mentioned a moment ago about communism. Communism and socialism as kissing cousin 
All that means is more freedom taken away from the individual. You get the extreme case like communist China and Venezuela and Cuba. China filled, filled with prisons where people are sent, re-education camps, torture camps all over the country where people are sent because they dare to think or say something that the government doesn't allow, or they dare to be Christian, which the government is now attacking. And so this, is, this may seem like a little bit of a deviation uh, on Memorial Day, but when I come back to this point that our soldiers, our military, is really defending our American way of life. That's their job. They defend the American way of life. They defend Western civilization values. And so we need to be honoring them, those who made the ultimate sacrifice, those who serve in the military, with a bigger idea than just, not just why this military engagement, what happened, was it justified, should we have done this, should we have done that? It's a much bigger thing they are doing. They are the, they, they are the bulwark, they are the wall that keeps America safe, that keeps the uh, invaders, intruders, people who would come and try to destroy this precious country, they keep us safe. And the last segment today, I want to talk about our job in pretending, in, in, in protecting America, the extraordinary, America the unique, America the great. Because we have a job too. It's not just the military. They can, you know, push back against communists. They can push back against Islamists. They can push back against the Nazis and push back against other attackers of America. But people in our country have an equally enormous responsibility in defending our country. And that's what I wanna talk about in our last segment today. And the last segment is this, what fighting for freedom today means. In our country, we don't have a military invasion happening right now. By that I mean Cuba, Venezuela, China, nobody's invading America today militarily. But in many ways, America has been and is being invaded, attacked, maligned, and destroyed by bad ideas, wrong ideas, ideas inconsistent with individual liberty, ideas inconsistent with the founding of America, ideas inconsistent with Western civilization. These battles are happening right before our eyes. You know, I talk about so many issues facing Washington, we face in Washington, so many policy arguments and the health care bill and border security, all the things we always talk about. But underlying many of them is the core idea that somebody in every generation, somebody in every political battle, every policy issue has to be talking about, has to be recognizing that these issues are rooted in the defense of the freedoms upon which America was founded, in defense of Western civilization, in defense of all the beautiful ideas thought through, fought about over the centuries that came down so that we in this time, in this era, can live in freedom in this country. We are still, America is still an extraordinarily blessed country having the freedoms that we do, even though we're not perfect, even though we always try to improve, even though we always want to try to make things better for everyone, America still is the, has the most freedom on earth, and it is our job to recognize what the threats to freedom are. I'm going to name a few right now. In this country, we actually have one of the two major political parties with candidates who either 
admit they are socialist, like Bernie Sanders, or the other candidates for U.S. president on the Democrat side who push socialist policies but claim, well, I'm not really socialist, I'm a progressive. Those are synonyms. Socialism and progressive, progressivism are synonyms. They are the same thing. It's just a more palatable sounding word for leftists to say in this country because they know socialism still kind of rattles people. When you're pushing for more and more government control over the economy, education, society, banking, everything the left works to control and works to take more and more control over, more and more control over what you earn, how much of your own money you can keep, how much you can own, they are telling you they are socialists. And socialism as kissing cousin communism are both completely inconsistent with the idea of America as founded. The idea of individual liberty, the idea of government limited inherently by our founding documents so to keep the tyrannical mindset that the left now has to keep that tyrannical mindset out of our government. That was one of the reasons the founders created the separation of powers in Washington between the three branches, and they created the idea of federalism. The federal government should be limited, more power closer to the people in the state governments and local governments. Leftists hate that. Leftists want power. It is the main reason for their political existence. It is imperative to recognize that the advocacy of socialism in this country is the advocacy for the destruction of freedom in this country. It is advocating for the ending of the Western civilization concept of respect of the individual and the right to individual freedom. Another attack on America happening today is this rampant tribalism. The beauty of the ideas of how much America was founded is they have nothing to do with skin color, race, ethnicity, national origin. Nothing to do with your, your, the happenstance of your pigmentation of your skin. Everything to do with freedom. But leftists in this country divide our country by making every single policy discussion Ultimately, they try to bring it back to race. They try to argue it's about race, that we're talking about whatever the issue is, whether it's border security or health care or, or I mean, the, all the issues we talk about, the left will always bring it back to race, always try to urge people to identify themselves, urge citizens of the United States of America to think of themselves first as a you know, hyphenated American and then maybe other ways they try to divide us into America that is you're rich versus poor, you are, uh, you know, you are a new citizen versus you've been here a long time. Uh, they try to divide America into rich versus poor, men versus women. Uh, this tribalism concept is utterly and profoundly un-American. It needs to be rebuked at every level and every time it's raised. Recognizing that the American left uses racism, false accusations of racism against anyone who will not agree with them ought to be ought to be a huge signal to America to simply shut them down and shut them up because you can't have the beauty of America the wholeness of the America's founding and the preciousness of those ideas of America's founding that apply to everyone equally and the tribalism pushed by the American left one last attack on America as founded is the attack of Islamization.
We have American troops losing their lives, fighting in, fighting in foreign wars, fighting to protect, to push back the caliphate that got started over in Iraq and Syria. We had American troops losing their lives, trying to crush that, ultimately got that uh, caliphate surrounded. And, but, you know, the, cal- the ISIS that created the caliphate is alive and well, pushing its ugly totalitarian Islamic jihadist mission in other countries around the world. It is still a threat. It is a threat to the core idea of America. It is a threat to liberty. We've talked about this in the show many times, but to make very clear, Sharia, the law that is born out of Islam, demands complete control over everyone. Islamists are pushing the idea that Islam must ultimately be the one power over the world. That's what the caliphate is. And it's a caliphate under Islamic law, Sharia. You cannot have Sharia and American rule of law and the Constitution. They are utterly and inherently inconsistent and can never be made consistent. They can't function together. And so the pushing of honoring Sharia in this country, the push of Islamization, is a war against the fabric and founding of this precious country. So we have a job, this generation, every generation for all time, will have a job protecting America against all the isms and arguments and destructive elements pushed against this precious country that is truly still today the beacon for the world the example for the world of how to live in liberty, how you can grant freedom and liberty. You can't, it's not even that you grant freedom and liberty. Freedom and liberty are inherently rights to each individual simply because you were born, rights from God because you were born, as our Declaration of Independence says, and that you can have a country that became the most prosperous, most powerful, most desirable, or anyone who can has, who has the ability to get away from where they're from wants to come, you can have that. And we are the example for the world to show the world what that means. We have a duty to the world to stand up for the Western civilization, the extraordinary greatness, the exceptional nature of America, because we are modeling for the world how they too could have this kind of society, this kind of freedom. There's no reason other countries in the world have to abandon this idea or have to reject this idea. We ought to be spreading and sharing the idea of America's goodness with other countries. And if they don't want it, fine. They want to remain Sharia Islamic compliant, Sharia compliant countries. That's their business. They want to remain socialist or communist. That's their business. In America, we embrace personal freedom and liberty, and we embrace it and recognize the only way to protect it is to stand up against the ideas that would otherwise undermine it. So on this Memorial Day weekend, I urge you to think about that. Your role, your job, your precious blessing of having the opportunity to be someone who stands up for those ideas. And now, my friends, I want to turn to the final segment of the show, this Why It Matters to You. I always want to tell you what I talk about, why it matters to you. And this is, I want to actually, these words, this this is a shorter portion of what Shimon Perez had to say. America is unique in the history of the world. In the history of the world, wherever there has been conflict, the nation that wins takes land from the nation that loses. One nation in history 
And this, during the last century, laid down hundreds of thousands of lives and took no land. No land from Germany, no land from Japan, no land from Korea. America is unique in the sacrifice it has made for liberty, for itself, and for freedom-loving people around the world. And the last slide for today, as we wrap up Memorial Day, I, I urge you, invite you on Memorial Day to just reflect about the importance of this holiday, to really feel inspired with gratitude for those who have given their lives to preserve our country's liberty. Remind everyone you talk to that freedom isn't free. Just because they were born in this time, they only know, you know history as it started in the day they were born, freedom isn't free. Freedom requires sacrifice, it requires defense, and it requires us defending it in our words and actions, as well as the military defending it every day. We need to reawaken and restore the understanding of America's extraordinary exceptionalism. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Again, I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you tomorrow, 3 p.m. Central Time on America Can We Talk. And I urge you to speak up for America because America matters. Talk to you tomorrow. America, can we talk? Truth about America. Can you hear-